Hi, good evening, everyone. Uh, this is Brian Marin, your host of the Left of Greg podcast. Uh, with us tonight, we have Mr. Will Atkinson returning. Will Atkinson, um, human behavior expert, all-around great guy, uh, very varied background, law enforcement, done all kinds of cool stuff, uh, always a great addition to the show. We have on here Brian Shea coming back again, super smart, um, intel analyst, got a ton of operational experience overseas and here in the U.S., great person. I've known him for a long time, so we go way back, as they say. So good to have him on here again. And then once again, we have, of course, Mr. Greg Williams, which the podcast is affectionately named after, the left of Greg. So we have him joining us as well. So tonight is going to be kind of a follow-on from the previous one the four of us did, where we talk about the information to intelligence and knowing what to report and how to look for things. And we brought up a lot of great topics, so we kind of wanted to go after it again. And Brian Shea came to us with a whole bunch of great questions afterwards from his experience as an analyst. And he just fired away after it and said, look, these are all the things I'm thinking. So what I just explained to him too is, is you know, because his is, is saying, hey, how do, how do we get better at this? What's the training? How do we teach people what to look for and how to look for things? And it's what we said is our greatest training teams that we do, some of the best units that we've done, literally have everyone in there. So they've got the guys that are going to kick the door in. They've got the guys that are doing the surveillance and reconnaissance before those guys go kick the door in. They have the intel analysts in there, and they have their people that plan operations. So you've got someone from each cell, each different uh, part of that, that wheel, each different spoke all coming in. And when we provide them our lens, our small window of what we do, our small piece of the puzzle of human behavior pattern recognition and analysis, they all take it and go, oh my gosh, with my job, I can use that here. Hey, as an analyst, I can use that here. Hey, as a door kicker, I can use that here. Hey, when I'm sitting there on a scope and I'm watching this village for three straight days, uh, I can use that here. And now what happens is everyone just has a common lexicon, a language to describe what they're seeing and what they're doing. And once we have that language, once we're all tuned into the right frequency and speaking that same language, that operational narrative, that picture of what's going on becomes so much more vivid. It's so much more enhanced. It's so much more detailed because we all know what each other's thinking. So that was kind of where we're setting up tonight. Uh, I'm going to throw this over to Greg real quick to continue and we'll probably go to Brian from there. But this is a continuation of that information intelligence and kind of what our last discussion was. So, Greg, why don't you go ahead and kind of start us off? So, Mary, you talked for like two minutes. I talked for like yeah. four hours. And yeah. <laughs> in two minutes, I got a page full of notes already on all this great stuff that you were just bringing up. So this is what I want to do. First of all, thank the panel. Uh, second of all, tell everybody this is the second of what might be 10 or 12 episodes on this topic because it is so important and, and there's so many uh, uh, facets uh, that we have to look at. I'd also encourage everybody to go to the website to take a look at the resumes of the experts. Uh, the people that are here other than me are really, really smart people, and, and I hope to keep them entertained and engaged and keep them coming back. So, Marin, I want to share with you a brief example that came up when I was talking to Brian Shea last week, and I, I thought that it might be worthy. So uh, we're doing a tracking course, if you remember, for the United States Marine Corps during a project, a project called uh, Combat Hunter, the Three Pillars. And uh, we're out in the middle of nowhere, and uh, our human behavior guys keep finding all the guys before the trackers <laughs> follow their footprints and catch them. Nothing against tracking. It's a great skill. It's like a protracted game of tag. You guys do great. But uh, when it comes to the human behavior, all of a sudden I go, hey, all we had to do is look at where these guys would likely go, and we were ending up uh, you know, catching them. And uh, the oldest guy that I ever met in my life and a wonderful man, he saved a lot of lives and done a lot of great training. He comes up and he goes, ah, oh, mate, that's called the vitamin technique. 
And I go, what's a Bitterman technique? Well, Bitterman was a guy that went to the course. And instead of going out on a hot day and following the prints, he looked at the map and said, hey, the only thing here that would give this guy shade and a place to sit and have a drink is this train station or whatever it was. And so they all walked there, and sure enough, the guy came out of the desert, and they captured him. One, information, sharing, transparency doesn't have to be this big hodo. It doesn't have to be this big thing where it takes a bunch of processes and a bunch of material solutions. It's sharing information that a qualified expert will then take and cherry pick and make a big picture out of it, a, a piece of intelligence that's actionable. Because if it's not actionable, it, we're spinning our wheels. And you're saying how important is pocket lint? Well, I would tell you, Brian, and this is a discussion that spurred this, Brian Shea, wh- what is pocket lint? How do I look for it? It's not just how you look for it. It's where you might want to look. Mm-hmm. And remember, there are, are, are schemas out there. There are architectures out there. Uh, sensitive site exploitation, post-blast analysis, all these different things that are going on. What I'm saying is the little things generally matter. And when they coalesce into a clue, and then those clues start revolving around each other to form a constellation, you should pay attention. For example, I'm looking at a site, and I see that the people have burned their cigarettes all the way down to the filter. That's telling me one of of two things. Uh, One, the guy's got a smoking problem. Yeah, I get that. Uh, uh, But the other thing is they got a good resupply. Well, how do I make that link? Well, uh, uh, do they have a good resupply, or are they smoking it down because they're not getting cigarettes regularly? If a person's throwing it away after a couple of puffs, they probably got the money to afford a $5 cigarette, and they probably got a whole bunch of uh, cartons on the shelves. If a person is smoking every little bit and going to the ashtray and pouring some more in there, either they're homeless or that person can't get the resupply. I can use that to exploit it because if I hit those lines of comms and don't let that stuff come in on the ring road, Afghanistan will be safer. So a little bitty piece of information. Chore boy. Every 7-Eleven in the world sells chore boy. Uh, uh, not a lot of chefs go to 7-Eleven before they grab their pots and pans. So most of the time that I see 7-Eleven selling chore boys, it's the people to use them for their meth pipes, you know? A little bit of information like that shared into this community will open some eyes and then people can go, hey, that's a most likely, this is the most dangerous. So, Brian, that's all I wanted to do is kind of kick that around a little bit because, because Brian Shay's the expert at this topic, but let's look at it through the lens of HBPRNA as well. Sure. Yeah, so I think, go ahead. I don't know, uh, Brian, if you wanted to bring up some of the questions you had after the last one, or so, I, I should say more just talking points really than questions. It was just, just good points that you brought up from your experience. Yeah, I mean, I, the bigger one was how, you know, it's the where do you look and how do you look for the pocket lint? And, you know, I asked that not just to, you know, kind of help me out, you know, because I do have that background where I got it. But I think it's a pretty widespread kind of cross the board issue of I have that I was first trained in the analytical process, you know, Intel analysis. And then I was fortunate enough to get selected to to be cross-trained on a little bit more on the operations side. So I kind of had that, those, those skill sets with me as I was learning to do a couple other things. Right. And that actually is a really great resource for me now because I got a very good insight on one side of the house and a vast amount of experience on the other side of the house. And together I know what to look for, how to look for it and how to communicate that to the right people. Right. It's to that dissemination, that information sharing. I mean, you know, one, one quick example was I think I emailed 
um, at least BJ or Brian about this, was coming home from work. Um, I saw a really interesting kind of event at a gas station, so I pulled in. I bought a, some, you know, some pop. And what I saw was a really interesting kind of um, kind of meeting. And the first thing, there's, there's always a couple first things. It's like, how do you assess the relationship of these two individuals, right? Is this, you know, went to high school with them? Like if Brian and I got together on the street, you kind of see that these guys are, they have a close familiarity, um, knows each other pretty well. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of laughing and kind of slapstick, right? The, what I saw was a little bit different. It was kind of cold, a little bit reserved, but active, and that was kind of telling me more of like, hey, this is actually maybe a business meeting on the street. And this is potentially a source, kind of like the um, kind of trek in the trail. Um, this person is either out helping this person steal stuff, right, to help fix cars and then kind of resell used cars or something along those lines, right? So just that the character caricature of that meeting um, on the streets of Chicago really kind of like – set off a couple alarm bells. But again, it was one of those, like, I wasn't sure what I was going to see, but I knew what to look for, you know? So, so yeah, I, great. And I know Greg, you're going to jump in here. So real quick, uh, you, so once again, it's, it's, you knew something was different about the baseline yeah. here. There's anomalies here in this conversation. So you didn't have the lexicon to articulate what it is, but you knew it when you saw it, right? You knew yeah. something was wrong. So, so you knew this was different than normal conversation, but I wasn't sure what it was. You're kind of like, hey, you're, and you're, you're beating around yeah. the bush and exactly what you're talking about is literally exactly what we do is exactly. lexicon. So, Greg, I know you were taking notes and you want to jump in, so, I, I, so please I'm, go ahead. I'm, again, I'm going crazy on the notes because it's such a great topic. So I'm going to go to the amoeba state. I'm going to go lowest common denominator here. And the feedback loop, I'm going to start, and then everybody's going to pile on. We'll start with a very simple thing, Brian Shea, because your trained mind led you to believe that a situation was afoot. You were creating an explanatory storyline. You then put pieces of evidence against that, and some fit and some didn't. That's where the baseline starts taking on its rigor. That's where mm -hmm. the fidelity of your, of your process is important. So I'll give you one to start with, shoelaces. Uh, uh, God, Buddha, Vishnu, Allah, whoever you believe in, created a thing called gravity. I'm beginning to think it'll be around for a while. So if you pop somebody in the snout, uh, pieces of you transfer evidence, and pieces of them are going to fall down with gravity, and they're going to get on your clothing and specifically your shoelaces. Uh, if I'm breaking into a safe on a night job, uh, going into a subway and doing the floor safe, I'm going to get pieces of the insulation and grease from the tool and everything on my shoelaces. I can't avoid it. If I'm doing a homicide, shoelaces. If I'm going fishing, shoelaces. So shoelaces are generally a great piece of pocket lint to gather. Now, your analytical mind is saying, hey, what about a place like uh, Afghanistan where not a, few, a lot of people are wearing running shoes? Well, two things. If I see a person wearing running shoes, they might be planning to run. And the second thing is it's going to work uh, the same in a pair of sandals. It's going to work uh, the same in a pair of socks. It's going to work the same on their shalwar kameez. Transfer evidence is that type of pocket lint that we're talking about. And if you can't safeguard it right now, at least know where to look for it or pass that tidbit of information on. Just that one little bit of information, I'm surprised at how many cops and investigators have no idea. Uh, they take shoelaces at the jail, and you ask them, why would you take those shoelaces? And the coppers always say the same thing, so the guy doesn't hang himself. 
Well, with a pair of shoelaces, you can cut through a pair of flex cuffs. With a pair of shoelaces, you can make or break uh, the Kellner case. That's the type of pocket lint I'm talking about. Hmm. Uh, Go ahead, Will. Yeah, Brian, go ahead, please. No, 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 and that's what what I was talking about, Brian, and I know we've had kind of similar discussions before is, so your tacit knowledge, right, your experience, and I would say because of your experience, you were trained as an analyst, and then you went to the operational side. Okay, so you, then you had to get trained on the operational side. So I bet your training as an analyst made you better on the operational side than someone who hadn't been trained. And now I bet your experience and your training on the operational side made you better at your analysis position because you've seen and done both. You've walked right. the shoes on both of those sides. Exactly. So now to someone who hasn't done that, say you're in this position, you're on the operational side, that's all you do. Dude, you've been booting doors, ramming cars, and killing people your whole life. Okay. Uh, but you, now you take another guy who's just been, I've been, I've read every book in the library. I've analyzed everything in the face of the earth. And those two people, how do they communicate? Because they come from different worlds and different backgrounds. They use different parts of their brain when they think about stuff, right? So, so how do they communicate? And all it is, is, is that common lexicon. So, all right, everything you just talked about, we could spend the next uh, 30 minutes breaking down what, what you saw and observed in that conversation, yep. how that relates to human behavior, how your limbic system is involved, and how we betray our affiliations just on everything you saw. You said, well, I knew they knew each other, but it couldn't have been that well because based on my experience and a million things. So you just, yeah. your casual observation of driving past and then going, I should probably stop there. A thousand things happen to articulate that word or as Greg calls it, it's that storyline to figure out yep. not only what's happening right in front of me, what is their past relationship so I can use it looking back and then I can go, well, where are they likely going with this in the future? So I, I, that's exactly where we get into it, just understanding that human behavior pattern recognition analysis. Yeah. I, I, I would challenge you to do a limited objective experiment with uh, people that aren't quite grasping the topic of how human behavior relates to information gathering and without information, you'll never make the leap to intelligence yeah. and, and specifically not actionable. Uh, go to your local uh, Walmart-style store or a box store or anything else. Go out to the parking lot. Go to the furthest ring in the parking lot. It's where all the employees park. And go to one of the cars at random, one of the employee cars. Surmise that that's what it's going to be because that's how businesses operate. Now I want you to look inside and catalog all the items that you see inside. Uh, wrapper from fast food, the ashtray is full or not, old newspapers on the seat, the windshield's clean or it's dirty. Just catalog 10 or 12 things that you see in there and then go inside the store and try to match that up to the person whose behavior that you're surmising from the evidence in the car. Now, there's a, a, a <laughs> bunch of uh, cognorati that are out there going, oh, well, that, that never works. Yeah, come meet me on the street because that's what I do for a living, and that's why we're doing this podcast. I see your book still gathering dust on a shelf where you're talking about the theory. We actually do it, and we do it in the most dangerous places on earth. Then I would say go into the D and the E ring and pick a car at random and do the same thing. And then don't just do a car. Then go in and take a look at a person's shopping cart and try to create a profile of that person. And the difference is, in this limited objective experiment, after you've conducted your experiment, go up and measure and assess. Go up and go, hi, I'm a student, and I'm studying psychology, and uh, I see these items in your cart. Can I talk to you for a minute? I think that this means that you're a health nut and you're this or you got kids at home because you're buying these type of meals or you, you know, you're a dog fancy or whatever else. Once you do that, you're creating axons and dendrites in your brain that are linking up for problem solving and sense making. And that makes you smarter and that makes you more eager to solve 
future problems. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's a, a myriad of things we touched on here, and there's there's a couple that um, points that I'd, I'd like to kind of just kind of line up, and I'll let you guys kind of kind of knock it out together. One, Brian Marin, the common lexicon. So everyone's on the same page. Like I I can't reiterate how important that is, and how much time that saves, just as as humans, because um, it's an instant level of trust with people you're working with, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's in the hospital room, a school administrator, in, on the battle space. If you're, if you're speaking the same language, you guys are together. I've seen too many people say, well, I was taught it's this word, and I was taught it's that word, and now it's a total distrust, and I can't trust you, and I don't know what you're talking about, and time is gone, and, it, and it's wasted. So that common language um, is essential. The pairs of teams um, actually ends up, once you get on that same language and put pairs of teams together, you actually start speeding up that cycle of processing rapidly. Um, everyone's seeing like the circles of information processing. I think the one circle I like to talk, or timeline that needs to be talked about is the OODA loop. Um, Greg, you know, that's one of my favorite things when it comes to information processing. Yep. You know, John Boyd and observe, orient, decide, and act. Um, you know, Jay, you were, you were making decisions out there when you were seeing those two gentlemen have a discussion. Well, you were starting to outpace their decision model. Mm-hmm. Um, so their decisions are becoming less and less relevant. Um, so if by the time they got to the point where they're like, hey, we're going to go boost this car, you'd already determined they're up to crime is afoot. They're a team working together. They have you know, burglary tools. They've targeted a vehicle. I've right. got people in place, and now I can insert my decision before that action comes. Um, you know, granted, in the you know, LE law enforcement world, um, it's a good thing. Um, in the military world, it's a great thing to work left to bring. In the civilian world, it's a, a great place to insert yourself before you get a, a workplace situation. And then lastly, Greg, I'll let you run with this because I want to No, you're right on. Um, Brian, you asked, like, where to look. Um, and I want to use kind of an abstract uh, example, and Greg, you'll, you'll be able to put a finer point on this. When you go outside and you look at the stars at nighttime, uh, sometimes you don't look directly at the star. Sometimes you want to look kind of like right next to it. Um, and that allows you to see all the things that are taking place. You see that star better. So sometimes you kind of have to look next to something. But that's tough because situations are dangerous. So sometimes you need few people watching because someone's got to watch that star while you can look next to that star. <laughs> yeah, so when you, that's, that's the whole idea. That's the exactly. art of surveillance and counter-surveillance. And the, the art of information processing is having your assets. Look, we all live in, in an environment where there is not enough money. There's not enough boots on the ground. There's not enough cameras. There's not enough all those other things. So what we want to do is maximize the, the view that we get and, and the granularity of the picture that we're going to paint for the, the Intel guys uh, by putting our resources to the best use. Now, we can do this. We can go knock on every door and say, hey, has there been a crime here tonight? That's probably going to be a little more inefficient. Or we can use an architecture for looking at a place, and that's baseline plus anomaly equals decision. Baseline, what's the environment look like in a normal day-to-day operation? And I know I'm oversimplifying this, but we're going to have future uh, podcasts, and we'll come to your place and teach you up real good. Uh, (laughs) Baseline has things that are going to be above, things that you didn't expect to see, things that are there that weren't there yesterday or below, uh, uh, things that I should expect to see a day off at the, the factory where you work. Uh, it's a holiday, and you pull in, and the parking lot's empty. Well, you, something's missing here. Oh, I see. It's the holiday. I've shown up. And then if I have a baseline, and that working baseline has to be for everywhere because all human beings are the same. We don't do different things, and those people that do are outliers, and they stick out like a neon glow stick. Once I have my baseline, 
Now I look for that anomaly, only the anomaly. And the only anomaly that I want to be looking for, because everything else is interesting, is an MD-COA, a most dangerous course of action anomaly. Those two guys meeting might mean crime is afoot. So I'm going to invest a little bit more time. I'm going to flip around. I'm going to put my car in park, and I'm going to get on a binos. I'm going to also call somebody else and say, hey, this is the cape I'm working right now. Uh, do me a favor. You take a look and see what you think. Because by comparing their observations to the same baseline, somebody's got a lot of feedback. Then what you can do is you can, you can uh, start creating a better picture and making it a truly 360 picture. Perspective is important. Uh, forced perspective makes us make mistakes and shoot the wrong people. Uh, um, seeing a person running is always interested to my, to my primitive brain, but just because a person's running doesn't make them a criminal. So all those little things that I can add in, and then I have to say likely. This is likely meaning that. This likely tends to show that the person is this. And then at the end of whatever notes I'm jotting, I remember the, the teacher Atkinson uh, uh, admonition that at the, every, at the end of every sentence that I make, I want to say, your honor. In other words, well, then I saw him get out of the car, your honor. And then I saw him kneel down and put something on the ground, your honor. Then I drove over there. And you're saying, well, why that level? Because whatever you're seeing is going to go in that report and you're going to testify to. And if it's not in that document and you don't have it fleshed out in that document, you're never going to be able to recreate it on the stand. And, and when you're talking about baseline development and reporting, you know, I think we got um, kind of get trapped last time in the four corners of the document, literally, because we're talking about a report being a written report. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to think physical that, document. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A report can be so many things, and it mm-hmm. can be a short security halt, a discussion, a transmission, a window drop between two vehicles, a greeting when you go to work at nighttime. All those things are reports and build the baseline, and and that help you understand that environment so quickly. Can you walk into an, a foreign environment you've never been before and establish a baseline rapidly? Of course Absolutely. you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if you have years of sustained observation, a day of sustained observation, several shifts of sustained observation, does it make a richer baseline? Yeah, absolutely. So how you report that information and then share that quickly is essential. Hey, Teach, something as simple as walking into a 7-Eleven type store and saying, hey, Gladys, how are you doing tonight? That creates a baseline. She's going to give you an answer based on yesterday, today. Oh, it's a little busier. Oh, it's slow today because of the weather. Now, uh, what about a triage nurse or a a paramedic on the ground? Uh, How's your pain, sir? Is it better or worse than it was a minute ago? Those are all baseline-defining characteristics. And what we're talking about here is the more robust the baseline, the more the pocket lint will stick out, the more likely it is to find evidence in these locations and less likely to find evidence in those locations. And you also never know really who's kind of sharing that baseline with you, what other elements are out there are going to be listening to that report or that in, or going to be tapping into that information. You know, we always talk about things like you know, guardian angel, overwatch. You, know, you can use whatever term you want, your buddy on the other side of the street, uh, the security guard, because sometimes you yourself, the person who's the sensor, the reporter, the individual, is going to be disrupting that baseline. So it, you can't see things that are happening, maybe second and third order effects out from you. So having someone just watching your back because you intentionally insert yourself as a yep. marked patrol unit to change the baseline, or you walk into the grocery store to change the baseline, um, you see things, but then there's layers of environmental atmospheric things that are happening around you that your buddy needs to help you capture as well. So scientifically, if you're a fly on the wall, you're not impacting the experiment. 
But what Atkinson is trying to tell us is sometimes we do want to impact. Sometimes mm-hmm. we want to do a show of force here when we're actually doing a feint and we're going to hit them here. Sometimes we want them to see that they're being surveilled because that gets the clock ticking and the endorphins flowing, and we want to see if they're going to make a mistake. But many times we can ruin uh, uh, the experiment uh, just by our involvement. That, that's a, a very salient point of a teacher. Yeah, and I think now to, to kind of get into, because we, we, we've, we've been talking about it, so one of, one of your questions or one of the points you brought up, Ryan, because uh, I thought it was, I really like what you brought up. You simply said, I'm going to read it verbatim, how can we lay some foundations on applying this in terms of human behavior pattern critical thinking? So what you're, what you're referring to is uh, all your other questions and about uh, report writing and information intelligence in general, which said, how can we lay some foundations? And that's exactly where we come in, right? So that's exactly where our system, our process, our analytical framework helps. It goes, look, this is all based in science. This is human behavior. This is why people do certain things. This is how you give yourself away. You do it every day. A bad guy does it every day. A good guy does it every day in a different context. So all we have to do is go, look, all these observations, because right there you have a hundred, maybe a thousand, maybe 10,000 experiences that all we have to do is like, we can deconstruct that exact example you gave about two guys having a conversation outside of a gas station. And we start at point A, and then we go to point D, and then point M, and then back to B, and then finally we'll get to Z. But what we can do is literally provide you everything that happened. Now, that brief interaction you talk about, I, the three of us could give you a 22-day course just on that interaction, just on that interaction you saw, because we would start with the human processing system, the eye, the brain, everything, how it works. And before we ever even got to now, here's your observation. Well, now you have a baseline. Now you have a context for this. So we can go into that detail with it. Now, does everyone need that or do you need that? No, not necessarily. You may need a, Brian, you would need, give me one day with you and you're going to go, holy crap, not only do I get it, but oh my God, where has this been all my life? Now, someone else may need a longer course someone else need more training obviously the more is better but even if you just have a basic analytical framework of oh this is how i phrase or this is how i view my world i'm going to drop in some lenses view my world and this is how i articulate it at a very very basic level that report that you get as an analyst is going to be the the is going to be so much more vivid so much more clear that you can use it so it's going to be so much more effective yeah, and, and you got to understand that there's a detractor out there that's watching this episode right now. This is two days after two Denver cops were shot. Uh, five uh, uh, coppers were shot uh, in Houston, Texas. Houston. I'm sure there's going to be another cop shooting. The context and relevance. Somebody watching this is going to want to poke holes in it because they're not on the podcast or their name isn't involved in the program. And they're going to say, well, yeah, but we don't have the luxury of time. One, you always have the luxury yes. of time. You've got the gift of time and distance. And you know what? If that guy would have pulled out a Mac-10 and started slaying people, you'd have known what to do. Those are the easy decisions. That's the at-bang. The hard decisions are watching something develop, watching it mature left of bang, and separating the MLs and the MDs. The most likely, nothing's going to happen. The most dangerous, hey, that guy's got a, a gun in his waistband. He's getting this guy behind the building. That looks a lot like a homicide. Those observations are crucial. So our architecture has to be strong enough to separate, look, i got to be able to look at a marketplace with a 1,000 people and pick the two guys that are likely my bomber. So the architecture has to be robust enough to cover 360, but it also has to have the ability to flashlight or laser pull focus in and out on a guy or a car or a group of people 
and figure out that this is what's most likely occurring. Yeah. And I got a quick question. So um, in prior kind of works, um, one kind of operational framework of understanding, um, like doing surveillance and, and that kind of thing was the normal man theory. Y'all ever heard of that? Yeah, no absolutely. It's reasonable like, man or, yeah. It's something like, yeah. would, would a normal person be doing this in this kind of a situation, you know? That, that standard goes back to, to Socrates and Plato. Probably, you know, yeah. It's, it's one of those, honest to God, Brian, yeah. Shane, this is one of those life lessons, right, that yeah. everybody has to do it. So so when you're at sizing up, your kid just walked in, and, and uh, uh, your kid's call sign Superman now because we're on there, <laughs> Clark. Clark. Clark but Kent. Clark, yeah. that's even better. Your kids coming in and they're gonna they're gonna do a raid on the cookie jar, and, and you're busy. You got Multiple a lot of times a day. <laughs> so what are the what are the things that you see, feel, smell, taste just before that occurs? One, uh, right. all comms drop off the net. It gets quiet. Right. <laughs> you yep. get what I'm trying to say? Yep. So that's just like in combat, isn't it? Yep. The next thing is all of a sudden, you know, you you've heard some uh, 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 motion. And it's like, oh, okay, he couldn't get the, the cookie jar on his own. So he had to enlist either the aid of another person or he had to slide the chair over. And I know what that sounds like. <laughs> so those comparisons yeah. against the known and the unknown only need one more thing. So here's my known. Here's my unknown. And if I line them up like a gun sight with the baseline or the environment, it tells a story. You said a week ago when we were talking that your job is to take information and, and data, uh, uh, facts, information and communications tell a story they speak to you i'm yeah. telling you that if we line those up and compare them known unknown against the baseline it'll tell a story too and we only have to worry when that exit starts going to most dangerous town if it's still on the highway you're probably going to be just fine yeah yeah and that's interesting because i've, I've used the the normal person normal man phrase constantly i'm like you know this is kind of like a normal person would not really do this, and here's why. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's listen, a, that's a, maybe that's that a lexicon, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to flesh that out because mm-hmm. uh, William Atkinson got got uh, the, the call sign teacher many, many years ago because he would come up to me always, uh, and he would say, what about free will? And it's like, yeah, 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 because <laughs> we would argue uh, string theory, M theory. We would argue Schrodinger's cat, all this wonderful stuff, and teach was always the voice of reason, but what if? I get, but what if? But I only care about most dangerous course of action. So that cuts my my 10 ring, my X ring of what if down considerably. You get what I'm trying to say? So if the guy comes out with the chainsaw, yeah, I get it, uh, uh, Camp Neverland. But the idea is that what does this information tend to show me? Then compared against the baseline of normal humans, and when you say normal, I'm excluding somebody that's bad. Now, you've got uh, a psychological standard of abnormality. You've got a psychological standard of abhorrent behavior. So I'm not trying to criticize a person or a class or a, a cast of people. I'm trying to say that when people stick out, uh, Gichin Funakoshi, 1600s, when a nail sticks out, pound it down. Uh, uh, that's the type of thing we're talking about. When somebody is acting and behaving in a different manner, that strikes my interest. And I have to decide, is this guy a good guy or a bad guy? And I have to do it fast. And, and remember, when we say guy, I mean, all sexes, all races, everybody else. It's just a way of cutting through the phlegm of communications and getting to the, the, the good stuff. So baseline development really should go hand-in-hand hand with gathering, uh, 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 developing intel, and disseminating. I, I truly believe that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and just, again, Brian, 
like we said, is is this goes in all of your experience, <clears throat> meaning it doesn't matter what experience you've had coming into this type of training or getting taught yeah. this, right? One, everyone has something to add. Everyone's going to take away something from it. Yep. You know, you just said right there, you can compare, you can compare your son going to, you know, do a raid on the cookie jar to, to an attack about to happen somewhere overseas. The, the parallels there, it's the same because the identical. behavior is the same. It's absolutely identical. So, yep, yep. so you have to remove the, the culture and you have to remove the religion and what it is and just boil it down to what is the behavior of a human being. All that culture and all that stuff, that's great to add to context to help understand a baseline, meaning something that, that would be completely normal and you know an urban area in the United States would be completely abnormal somewhere overseas. But that stuff's easy to see. That yeah. stuff's so easy to see. Uh, but if I know that human behavior side of it, well, well now I have a, a wealth. So now I don't need the, the hey, brother, I've been, you know, I've been around the world you know twice, met every man once type experience. No, I don't. I can be a brand new guy and go, oh, okay, I can draw on my own experiences. Oh, this isn't that hard. And I think that's where we come in. Yeah. Let's do one. Let's do a quick one. Just, just to, and, and remember, the, 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 the type of training that we do is seminar-style seminar lecture where we're all together in a room. Then we break off into small group pods, and we further flesh out the details. Then we go right into part-task training, and then we end up with uh, 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 practical applications. Uh, very uh, tough but solvable uh, uh, scenarios. So when you walk away, you actually have done this skill. It's not just theory. Well, let's do one. Okay, so everybody, because we all share this common experience, Think of the cafeteria at your school as you were growing up. Now, if you were homeschooled, think of the cafeteria at your church on an outing or think of the cafeteria at a gosh darn business that you work. But get in mind the cafeteria. So uh, what I want you to do is create a baseline in your head for that cafeteria very quickly. Now let's throw in an anomaly. Pick a change that's going to happen in that cafeteria that signifies that something is different and whatever was different is likely not a good thing. So come up with one and throw one out on the table. Anybody? I got, I got an easy one. Uh, when I walked into my cafeteria, you could pick two lines, and they had two different meals, and you didn't always know what the meals were. If you walked, usually pretty even lines because people are like, yeah, half and half. Mm-hmm. If you walked in the line and one line was out the door, and in the other line there were three people, you, you knew something was up. Like it you was knew the, which line to avoid. <laughs> it was the day for smoked owl pellets. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm coffin tested. Well, coffin tested and owl flavored. So, so uh, uh, Marin, I know this happened to you all the time. You would come in and there's no place to sit. All the cool kids got the tables. All the jocks got the tables. But but you've spent a lot of time. Well, in it looked, well Greg, it looked, like there was, it, looked, it looked like there was enough room, but it's just like everyone was like spreading themselves out and making them Elbows look out. weird. I don't know because I feel like this one's saved. This one's saved. No, but but I'm sure you have an experience, Brian. Yeah, it's the same thing. Well, that well, instant which is, which is you know talk about high school cafeterias. I, I instantly think of the movie Mean Girls and how they break it down because it's such a great actual uh, explanation of human behavior and how you break down the jocks sit with the jocks and the band kids sit with the band kids and the drama kids sit with the drama kids and and that starts to create this ebb and flow of of, of traffic in the areas and traffic not going to other areas, wherever those teachers are sitting now to take their break, Precisely. no one's going anywhere near there, right? And you don't ever sit any closer, uh, close to them unless you absolutely have to. You're running late, and that's the last seat next to your buddies all the way on the end, and you don't want to sit there. So now I can see that behavior start to change. But you can, you can watch that and instantly read 
who's who in the zoo without any training. You do that in high school. Walking so, so, so rewind your tape a little bit and take a look at Brian Shea. Brian, the minute you had the epiphany, because you knew a story that you were going to tell about your cafeteria, your hand came up to your mouth, you rubbed the corners of your mouth, you got excited, lack of episodic cortisol, you're ready to go. <laughs> so that's what we do for a living, by the way. But hit us, hit us. You tell us your experience in the cafeteria. Oh, I mean, honestly, it was like, it was too, it was uh, grade school and high school. Um, the, uh, I guess in high school, I just had a I mean, PJ knows. We, yeah, don't, don't tell any involving me. So, <laughs> no. Not not when we what actually left high school. High school. Yeah. yeah, somewhere on the uh, west side of Chicago. <laughs> but um, the uh, the one is uh, this guy Frank always had like his dad was a chef, and he always had the best lunches. I mean, like prosciutto, mozzarella. I mean, the whole nine yards. I mean, he had always had a bag, and you only take like four or five bites. And I was the guy coming with like peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yeah, you know. So of course, like I made a habit of like. Wherever Frank was, I'm in with arm's yeah. reach. Here's you know, yeah. yep. I got his back, you know, any, any issues, I got it. And, you know, I will take a couple bites of his sandwich if he wasn't able to finish it. <laughs> so right so now, I, <laughs> right now, a listener at home is going, hey, great story, so what? Here's your yeah. so what? Here's your so what? Can you get in front of a jury and relate that story and have the jury nod their head and go, yeah, that happened to me? Can you get a judge to sign on your affidavit for a search warrant because he goes, yeah, I, I can see that happening? That's the logic of what we're talking about. We're talking about taking information, and that information is baseline information that all human beings have experienced, going into the emotion realm, the file folder for emotions, and making that other human see what I see by giving them not only the electrochemical neurotransmitters, but giving them the emotion, handing them the emotion of the situation. And yeah. that, makes for, that makes for a clearer picture of the battle space. I, I, yeah. yeah, so... So I and and Brian, unless you have anything else to add or any other questions, guys, I think kind of uh, uh, that might be a good good point to to wrap here and kind for landing. Yeah. But uh, so, um, if, Brian, do you do you have anything else you want to add here? Or? No, I mean honestly, it was it was just a, a recent example of um, my kids uh, pre K. I got an, we got an email like every all the parents got an email with. Um, you know, and of course I read it after work. So I was like already six hours late picking up the email, but it was, re- I was really happy as a father and a security professional because they said that there was some weird dude hanging out in the parking lot, mm-hmm. right? Parked. So baseline, that's weird, right? That was just above and beyond what is, should be expected on a normal course of the day. Right. And it was this long periods of dwelling, right? Just sitting there, Right. And they immediately called the, um, the it's in the suburbs, so the, the police department, and a squad car came. And then, you know, resolved the situation, and they posted an email out saying that they acknowledged that they responded quickly, even though uncertain of what that was. Yep. And, you know, just hearing what I'm hearing right now, I'm kind of like, some people have it, some people don't, but we all have the innate something's there we just don't know how to articulate it and learning is going to change behaviors it's going to make you better two things i I gleaned from that story one you got to stop using weird and people use weird because they don't know what else to say so we'll help them with that yeah second second thing is you got to stop hanging around in the parking lot (laughs) (laughs) did they give you your own license plate did they send you a photo of you sitting in there no but the idea is i know we're having a little fun but the idea is you're exactly right with training 
with the training and education, with the experience, it's going to be a more robust message that's going to go to the yeah. coppers. It's going to be easier for them to catch the bad guy or determine that there was no bad guy and it was just, you know, just happened to be somebody, uh, adult learning, uh, uh, you know, was late and they were yeah. picking up the shit. But that's yeah. great. I yeah. mean, we don't waste yeah. a lot of resources when we use yeah. our brains. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I want to thank everyone for uh, coming on. I think we'll wrap uh, for, for this episode, but uh, another another great discussion. I know in the future we'll again have Brian and Will on, so I thank you guys both for coming on. Again, if people would like more information, you can go to the Left of Greg podcast on YouTube and watch it, or you can download it on iTunes as well. And you can always go to the website, which we urge you to do, www.arcadiacognorati.com. I'll post it up with this vid and have some links up where you guys are accessing this uh, this podcast. But uh, please go to the website, check it out. There's something on there for everyone. Yeah, and absolutely. Always ask questions. You guys can get a hold of us on there. So thank you guys again for coming out, and that'll wrap for tonight. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. Bye.